Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, football, it might be over for the season of basketball. It is in full swing for both the pro and college hoop season. And... BetOnline's got all the latest odds, totals, player performance op, props, where the next coach might be get fired. BetOnline is the number one spot for all your favorite sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to get started. It's not just basketball. BetOnline has got you covered for hockey, boxing, and even all the Olympic coverage, your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait. Head to BetOnline right now. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod super excited to have this guest on we were just talking a little bit on the pre-pod before we hit record and he's here right now i'm just so excited to hear about his story and what he's trying to bring and amplify out to the world he is a member of the acoustic athletics and he is perception navigational instructor his name is brian bushway brian uh so good to finally have you on record and meet you how are you today I'm doing great. Thank you for having us. I'm just excited for this conversation we're about to have here. It's, 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 I'm looking forward to the uncharted territories that we may find ourselves in here in the next 20 or so minutes. Well, grab a paddle, my friend. The waters are warm and the tides look to be swinging in our direction. And let's just go for a little bit if you'd like. Um, so I've had the opportunity, the fortunate opportunity to kind of learn about your story in the past couple of days. And I find it to be incredible. So if you don't mind, I'd like to maybe turn it over to you. And in your own words, can you try and tell my audience a little bit about your background? I mean, you you grew up playing sports and, uh, you know, just your incredible story and the journey and what you're trying to accomplish and amplify with your message here today. Yeah, I think this story picks up an interesting traction with at the age of 18, I was riding mountain bikes. They label me blind, but I developed at the age of 14, this ability to see with sound. And every human being has this. It's what bats and dolphins use, it's called echolocation. And it's being able to interpret patterns of sound, just like you with vision interpret patterns of light. And then I discovered this as like a teenager. And I also had other people to help teach me the skill but it brought me to like mountain biking and then there at age 18 I was almost certainly the world's best totally blind mountain biker which was a title I thought I had no idea even could possibly exist and so for (laughs) me yeah so for me it was like this amazing like life transition in such a four four short years of my life going from thinking I was going to live the rest of my life at home with my parents to then being a, going to Pepperdine becoming a communications major and all other whatever degrees. But mountain biking for me at that time was like, whoa, it, it shattered preconceived ideas about what I thought was possible for myself. And then there were other people on the team doing it also. And it was like, whoa, I thought my mountain bike would have been retired never ridden again and here we were out on the trails and and just making getting off the tandem bike 
in actually piloting our own bikes independently, uh, which was just different. And, and we're, we're doing that in a couple different ways. We're using sound. Um, if we went out riding tomorrow, I would put a, a, a plastic zip tie on your bike, on your frame, angling it into the spokes of the wheel. And every time the wheel passes, it makes a noise. And so that's good for sound localization. And then with active echolocation, we can use an active sonar signal and we can measure the distance. Am I two feet to the left of the trail or am I closer to the right side of the trail? And incorporating all of these audition skills, we were able to go out and ride bikes. And I was just lucky that I was part of the team that was developing these new approaches to the sport of mountain biking. And if I can go just a step further on that, I saw in a piece as well, can you describe a little bit, you know, you, when you talk about echolocation, you also use the phrase human sonar. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about what that's like in terms of shapes? Because I found that to be really interesting too, as well in terms of weight and mass and, and that type of thing, especially when you're mountain biking as well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting how sound, it's really good at discovering objects or things out in the distance that's what vision does vision gives a great preview of one's environment and if you don't have patterns of light your next best sense is sound to pick up things in the distance and with sound and when the brain changes and adapts it's a world of fuzzy geometry there's real three-dimensional space to things to the point where there's been other documentaries where i had to echolocate an abstract sculpture and describe it to a forensics you know like art artist who does you know interpretations for the police department and she couldn't see the image and I had to articulate what I was actively perceiving to get her to draw a shape and a figure so it's really interesting that there's this whole beautiful world of acoustic images. And it's a world of fuzzy geometry. Yeah, you're not getting the same detail and everything else that you get with vision. But it's a lot more than nothing. <laughs> you're, you're mountain biking, Brian. <laughs> I know. You're, you're, you got the wind in your hair and, and, and you're doing what you love. I mean, I, I find it truly incredible. And I'm kind of curious. You know, from the time you were 18 to where you are now, I mean, what has that progression been like for for echolocation? And, you know, is the time where, you know, like anything, like maybe when you're trying to learn a skill and I do want to talk to you a little bit about music. What has that progression been like throughout your life? And do you feel like is there still untapped potential? Uh, are there still things that you're thinking about? You're like, man, uh, you know, I could I could maybe uh, achieve this as the years go on. Yeah, it's less about more what I can achieve and it's more about what others can achieve now. Mm -hmm. So in the progression has been, I moved out of needing to be the one always doing the monkey show tricks into teaching. My passion and heart became about teaching when I was in Calcutta, India in you know early 2000s. That's where I started realizing that I had a lot of skills, but there was more meaningful work to be able to help others develop their sensory quotient and increase their sensory capacity. 
So for me, it's been more in this like teaching role and helping other people and welcoming other people into this new place. And yeah, I love going out and playing. Like I, when I was, you know, the holidays, I was with my families and my young cousins and they're all playing ball sports. Guess what? I walked into the kitchen, pulled out a plastic grocery bag, put the soccer ball in a plastic grocery bag. And, and now the ball is accessible. It makes noise when you kick it. And I was oh, able cool. to go and just play normal, fun, recreational, like family, like and be included in that sense. So it's, 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 it's been this interesting journey of just like sort of repurposing this and helping others become the people they want to be like, and, and just more from the teaching aspect about everything. And that's brought us into other professional athletes. Like that's what we're doing with acoustic athletics is we're bringing these human perceptual development principles to professional athletes. And the reason is why is they started asking us. I was like working all around the world for the last decade and we're working with, you know, people with like who have been marginalized um, in Thailand. They, 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 ha they don't have, they're missing a leg. They're cognitively impaired. And they, they don't have eyes. And we were getting such huge gains in helping them and their families just become more whole people that that became very attractive and everyone started painting wow i think i think with acoustic athletics i think and brian i think we could help other people too and then as we started like rethinking about this we started doing a deep dive of a literary review of all these scientific articles and we found that sports have been training in these different type of conditions since the beginning of time you know, blindfold training specifically, but more how does everyone use their sense of balance, their proprioceptive, their vestibular system? How does everyone get engaged and be a more full, be a more fully informed antenna? Our body, right? Our skin our, is our biggest organ of our body, our sense of feel. You, we found articles where there's guys who are just jujitsu and they know that their predominant sense is feeling. And these guys just, they're fully sighted and they choose to train under blindfold. Mm. And that just started making me think in, in a different way. It's like, wow, here's people who are able-bodied choosing to practice under these conditions because it feels like it makes them better in their sport when everybody else is fearing vision loss. And now we have these other athletes that are embracing this. Tyson Fury, champion boxer, ba-doom, ba-doom, <laughs> practices 60% under blindfold. Why? He obviously feels like there's an advantage there. And that's where I always felt like too, like visual impairment never was a disadvantage. Like, I don't really consider myself a person who lost vision. I learned how to see in the dark and conquer man's greatest fear. That's absolutely incredible. And, and what you mentioned 
is kind of opening up my mind a little bit because you're talking about the the physical side of sport and I like to bring up it's an issue that I bring up on the pod quite often and and Brian you played youth sports is I, I talk about the mental side too as well about what sports can do for a young child and here I, I try and be very clear about this where I'm I'm a I'm a hybrid right I love sports but I also have a very artistic side uh, in mm-hmm. my professional career and I just always felt like something you're always going to be pulled into something through sports and there is a, a singular expression to it where we all get exposed to it one way or the other and a couple things happen right one you could find success in it and you could find a lot of different things like uh teamwork and and fair play and realizing that you know you can be a link in a chain to a greater sense of a goal or the other side is you know you don't like sports you get picked last and sometimes those people become the most individualistic expressionist type of people because they realize that this type of thing isn't exactly what they want and you're also kind of marrying a little bit of something about the physical side too of well of there is just something about sports that can really just teach us not just like what we're capable of but also maybe what you're talking about maybe some things that we might not necessarily have in balance and and you can find balance in different ways by going at them in different directions and, and in, in this particular case, we're talking about using different senses and, and using different types types of ways uh, to get better as, as Tyson Fury in the boxing example. Yeah, I mean, it's... You, I mean, you raise a good point there. Like, I'm just sort of pausing in the, in the conversation just to sort of like step back a little bit because there's so much more here that we don't even know is humans we've all been just conditioned to do things one way but that's what was the most exciting part is when we started working with these athletes they're in a highly motivated culture interested in getting that one or two percent advantage and gain and so the intention behind all of this really was i think different in the people's ability to focus on different things really brings all of this into a uh, to a different area. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I look, I, yeah, I, I hear you, man. And, I, and to that point, I do want to ask you, um, you had mentioned in a previous work um, about pushing people past their preconceived low expectations. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that as a teacher. And as you've already illustrated, you know, all the different walks of life of people that either deal with obstacles that are, are, are physical, that maybe deal with their senses or cognitively, or maybe that's more of a mental side. You've, te- you've, you've been in front of so many different people as an instructor, as a teacher. What is kind of the main principle or mantra that you try and impart upon them to help them push past the low expectations of when they begin, um, hopefully the endeavor of improving whatever it is that they want to get out of your program and acoustic athletics? Yeah, and it's 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 right. Thank you for bringing it back around to the mental aspect because it's all mental. Mm-hmm. It's all I find the biggest obstacles are the psychology, the emotions, how we fit in and belong. You know, social issues around all this. It's very easy for me to teach you how to tell if there's a wall in front of you versus open space. We can do it right now. Like I can make a sound and you'll hear my hand come in front of the sound. Mm. 
right? Yeah. That's just my hand coming in front of my face, making a constant sh- sound. And you hear it right now. That's sound blocking things. Like right there, we're already using sound in a way more advantageous way. So if we can experience this right now, why is it in every human being can see like a bat, image like a dolphin, but we don't. There's all the psychological mental aspects about all of this is because there's a lot of pressure to feel like we have to do things the same way as everybody else. Like in basketball, for example, the granny shot (laughs) from under the legs, there's no, everyone's allowed to use it. They used to back in the day. That was the professional. That was the cool move. (laughs) Yes. And then it it, it didn't look cool. (laughs) No. Even though statistically, you're going to have way better odds with your granny shot. But uh, because it's your center of it's your center of gravity and it actually gives you the best balance as opposed to it over the top of your head and tilting it. Yeah, no, you're right. Right. And then but it didn't it didn't it didn't look cool. So no one wanted to do it, even though it's better from a performance standpoint. But we decided not as a culture. No one did it. So there's part of this what comes into the mentality and the psychology around all of this is are we waiting to be told what to do or are we actually dreaming authentically attaching our life ambitions to what we resonate in our hearts and going to be the artist like you say yourself like that that balance of the art world and profession and are we going to live an interesting expression of our lives are you if, if i if i can add brian too as well do we have as 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 a collective as a human collective do we have enough empathy when it comes to the fear of failure because when I hear low expectations and I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying right now, I think some people, the fear of failure is too great to risk untapped potential for some people. And it's almost like I wish that we all had more sympathy for the people that do try to do things. And even if they do fail, there is failure sometimes precedes success. And yeah. I don't understand why we don't prioritize that more. I, I like that you put the word try. Mm-hmm. All I did, I was sidelined as a human being, as a teenager, and had to figure out how to re-engage life again. And all, all I could do every day is waking up and just try. And the result was, I am only as good as I am today because I've crashed, fallen and ridden off of cliffs on my mountain bike. Mm-hmm. Like, what, I mean, it, so it's because, like, what is, what is failure? When you're pushing the boundaries of human potential, there is no failure when you put the larger premise of trying. And so, yeah, like, I've been hurt plenty of times. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, I don't even remember all the injuries, right? And but so, you know that you survived them. You remember, Brian, that you survived them, and that's the power 
of getting through failure, right? Is that you yeah. know that you're not only stronger from it, but that you know that you can get through it. So when it happens again, it's not that well, scary. It's not that scary. And someone asked me the question the other day. It's like, do, do, do you fear dying like on a mountain bike? It's like, oh, I wasn't letting fear like it was risk management. Yeah. Like, well, I'll give me a heads up if there's a drop off in a huge cliff. Like, I don't want to ride off of it. So give me a heads up from a verbal standpoint. <laughs> but I was never, I was never like approaching these things from like a fear perspective. I was approaching everything from the posture of this is the most exciting thing to do at the moment. I want to, I want to live now. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about, um, can you talk a little bit about STEAM, um, you know, the acronym STEAM um, and, and how you use it as a principle of deployment in terms of how you um, teach and educate uh, yeah, like the people science, around the world? Yeah. yeah, science, technology, and the, I've, you know, all the acronyms that they go on and on and on. But yeah, <laughs> like I've just found as a teacher, you have to meet, people where they're at and teaching is an art form it's not a delivery system of knowledge mm, I love it's it's right it's 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 it, if we're gonna get people to be engaged and to see themselves differently here's the strangest part right like back to this box of low expectations that you mentioned like that's what's weird like as soon as I picked up a white cane one day like I was low vision for a long time and then everyone just treated me as you know what as as normal in a way and then i pick up a cane even though the cane is a performance tool like a hockey player uses a hockey stick like a tennis player uses a tennis racket like a baseball player uses a bat these are performance tools I was better with the cane than without it. And then I pick it up one day and then I found myself in this box of low expectation because there was a label attached to it called blindness. And it was really confusing for a long time. Like really confusing. And, 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 and that's when I started realizing, oh, nobody knows what to do <laughs> right even the I, I, I might have i might have to figure this i might have to work on this myself yeah exactly exactly i was lucky to have a super supportive social environment that was like we don't know how you're gonna do this but go try mm -hmm. and it was that willing spirit to go try and it's also teaming with other people like i recognized that there were other guys living their lives doing things that i couldn't do and i simply just went and made friends with them and hung out with them and just like was curious to know you know like as a teenager there's like you know Juan is cruising around and he's talking to all the girls and i'm like what he's not walking on anybody's arm He's, he's more girlfriends than anybody knows what to do with. Yeah, it's like, like what's, what, what, what's his magic? And his magic was freedom of movement. 
And in any sport, if you're going to truly be the most expressive as you can be in your endeavor, you need freedom of movement. But I, I, I learned all this from other people. Like, I, I, we live on the shoulders of other giants. And that's why we're just bringing people into this bigger conversation. Like, isn't this interesting that human beings can see in the dark? Professional athletes have been training under blindfold for a long time. And we just don't really understand all the reasons why, because it's not talked about. Well, and also just the ways that how we can all work in concert to have this, you know, this, this uh, revelation, if you will, or this progression, how we can just have it, you know, and utilize it and try and help each other. I mean, I, I want to ask you something, and this is kind of a broad issue, so forgive me, and I'm not asking you to solve uh, every problem in the world, but I was curious, you know, where are we um, collectively in terms of listening? How are we as human beings, as li as listeners, in your opinion? Well, oh, we're not very good at all because we've all been <laughs> hit. We're not very good at all because we've all been hypnotized by the flashing lights. Yeah. <laughs> the screen. Come on. Lock down everybody in COVID. Put them in prisons of their house. Give them all devices. And now everyone can measure the messages that are being sent to each person the flashing lights that hypnotize have you ever been to a magic show yes yes i have yeah like what what was interesting about magic why did you enjoy your the magic show well for me and they've done i've watched something recently where they did a cognitive study on watching a magic trick happen and you're always trying to write let's just take a card trick for example like for personally i think everyone they get their little intelligence meter goes off and goes, you know what, I'm going to watch this guy's hands and I'm going to figure it out. But for a magic trick, cognitively, it's about keeping your eyes in a different space. While if you think about it in quadrants, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of looking in the fourth quadrant while in the top quadrant is where the trick is actually happening. And that's where sleight of hand comes into play. And, and honestly, a bit of a metaphor, a little bit of, of, of what's kind of happened to us in the last couple of years. And that's why I love like talking about this and bringing on people like you. And I, and I, and I would just say for my part, you know, I feel like I still struggle with it, especially when I started doing these podcasts, you know, obviously my whole job is to try and listen to my guests and then, you know, keep pace and move the interview along. But when I first started doing this, I was like, man, my listening skills are not exactly where they should be. Um, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and it was a it was a real wake up call for me personally, and I see it in conversations all the time, where I think we all have something to say, but the important thing is we have to listen to each other, say the other thing, and take that in before we just wait, you know, for our next turn to talk. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and and that's right with the with the magic, right? The human eye is the easiest sense to fool. Yes, and that's what you just articulated in them operating in these different quadrants of distracting the eye to be over here so the thing that everybody goes oh we trust so much is the easiest thing to fool and then back to listening skills you're absolutely correct i'm curious to know when you recognize in yourself you weren't a good listener 
what did you do to become a better listener? Uh, well, to be honest with you, stillness is uh, probably my best method to probably have me lock in and listen more. Um, especially when like, man, you're right, dude. Like I, I literally, I've caught myself a couple times. Let's just say maybe I was reading something on my phone or whatever mm -hmm. sports article. Let me guess. I don't know something about the bulls, white Sox, uh, bears or, or something Chicago sports oriented. And then I was yeah. having a conversation with my wife and I've noticed the first 10 to 15 seconds, I might have a hard time locking in to what she's saying. And I feel myself drift for a second. And I have to kind of remind myself to sort of stop myself. And I just think stillness and just really trying to absorb what someone is saying in that moment, it gives me the best shot. And I think multitasking is widely overrated because um, yeah. I, I think it's sometimes, you know, everyone deserves our attention. Um, so why don't we just give it is kind yeah. of where I'm at. And that's why that's what I try and work on. Yeah. And when I hear you say stillness to me, I'm relating to it as being present. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very much really really being present in the moment and that's what we teach at acoustic athletics if you're going to be at the highest level of your peak performance you got to be present mm -hmm. and you got to be in the moment you got to ride the wave of life otherwise it's going to crush you but you may pull off a cool trick in between yeah but but then yeah but then the collateral damage afterwards if i may ask you um, as someone and maybe that you can impart upon my audience are there moments for you where you struggle being present and are there mantras guided principles that you use on a daily basis that kind of help you kind of uh, course correct very quickly and bring you back into that present moment yeah right before this podcast I I just I did a bunch of breathing exercises mm -hmm. I've, I've heard I, about this. do you have one in particular I've heard that there's I've, I, I talked to someone who was a, a mental he was a mental health coach for UCLA athletes. He talked about a six, a sixth breathing sequence um, where it was, uh, it was a way to kind of sort of wind down. It was a gradual wind down. Is yours somewhat similar to that or is it different? I just remember reading, I think it's breath by James Nestor and it was all about nasal breathing. And mm. all I know is just like this, like all my students get out and move. Breathe through the nose. You can't do any wrong. And if you want to bring a strategy to six phases of breathing, cool. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. right? Like, I just wanted to get, like, watch out. Like, we might come up with seven. Might come up with seven. Blow six hope, right out of the water, Brian. Dude, dude, we're going to come up with 12. Oh, no. Can't. can't. <laughs> Let's come up with 12. Let's live in the 12th dimension. How, Corner of the market. How, yeah. <laughs> How how close how close are you to the to the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry? Unfortunately, so I live in Sherman Oaks. I, I've lived in Los Angeles the last twelve years. I've been to the Science and Industry Museum so many times. It is wildly underrated. Um, I, I I love it. When was last were you? Have you been able to go, or when was the last time you were there? No, I've never been able to go. But oh. I have, there's an but there's an echolocation exhibit. I am in the museum. What? Yeah. What? Wait, wait. Yeah. So when did this happen? How did this come about? And, oh. and and Brian, we got we got to make a road trip, man. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, seriously. You're in Sherman Oaks. I was just practicing last night with my band in Agura Hills last oh, night. Oh no way! That's super uh, close. 
So wait, when did you when did you find out that you were going to be in the Science and Industry Museum of Chicago? Dude, it it happened like a decade ago, and it, it it's one of those weird things in life when stuff happens, you forget about it. Yeah. And then I had a friend, a Don, who trains uh, professional boxers with us at Acoustic Athletics. He trained Logan Paul to go fight Floyd Mayweather, and a Don's from Chicago, grew up in the rough streets of south chicago mm-hmm. and he developed his boxing skills and he's like brian i'm going to the museum you're in the museum i'm like <laughs> oh my gosh it's real oh yeah i had to have my sister go just to like take a picture in front of it because it's like there's things that happen that are surreal but like 10 years ago when we were doing all this mountain bike stuff and the stories started getting interesting they're still interesting but it it moved. See, see, part of what I like about the the exhibit, it's a permanent exhibit in the museum in the area around the human body. Mm-hmm. And what I what I think is important there is that when we first started this, echolocation was looked at as this human oddity thing. Like the original stories from my mentor, Daniel Kish, he was placed in between segments of like the person who got abducted by aliens and the person that didn't feel any pain and could slam a nail into his thigh and never feel anything. And then here's the weird human echo person. And and what has been interesting is to track since the beginning of the time of the human odyssey stories, because they didn't do it justice. They were like, look at these people, they're exceptions to the rule. But that's what we've done with acoustic athletics is we've moved this to go, this is a teachable skill. It's not just about echolocation. It's about how do we all use every sense we have to our fullest ability. And that's what we've been tracking. If you look over the decade of the stories i would say we've been successful at moving the narrative in the story from this is a weird human thing to into the science medical journals we've participated in mri scans the best neuroscientists in the world thought our brains were interesting and they measured them and they studied them and they found that wow human beings can see in the dark but really neuroscience was not interested in helping blind people they were more interested in the larger human application how does the human brain adapt to new challenges and echolocation is an interesting way to measure this this new paradigm of 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 human expansion Well, it's so interesting also that we're coming in an age and I I have this conversation all the time. I'm I'm 38 years old. So I know what dial up internet was like in the nineties. And I had an answering machine and we all had beepers and pagers and the way the technology has kind of taken off that I almost sort of feel like sometimes that we don't really know. Like when you talked about the screens, I I don't think we really fully grasp what is happening to us and how it is changing us. Conversely, though, and I feel like that you're a bit at the forefront of this, 
I think we're starting to look at brain health and brain capacity, brain efficacy, whatever you want to kind of put around that as something that can really over the next 20 years, um, really kind of revolutionize maybe the way that we think, maybe the way that we act, maybe the way that we live. Um, and obviously what we realize that what we're capable of. And I, I, I don't know, are, do you feel that same way? Does it have you maybe perhaps as excited um, as the, as those results could possibly be, or, or do the screens scare you that much? Oh, screens don't scare me at all. I broke away from my dependency on screens from a long time ago. But you're absolutely correct in the fact that, like, there's a whole new potential of the mind here. There's yeah. new real estate to be claimed for those who are curious to to want to get there. And I'm just like, I'm just sort of pausing my mental like thoughts to just slow down the conversation a second. Mm -hmm. Like there was a boxer and this is a mental health issue. I'm forgetting the boxer's name, but they stopped the fight because they felt that there was an eye injury. Now to be fair to it, the eye injury was an indication of a concussion. But I, I think in that whole narrative, everyone was more worried about losing the eye than worrying about the concussion. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, and we already see this being played out in football, right? Like everyone else, we have new protocols with head injuries and things. The worst thing that can happen is a head injury. You can become blind from a head injury. It doesn't have to be a physical, like your eyeball doesn't work. Or for me, my optic nerve doesn't work. So it doesn't communicate information from the eye to the brain. But most people who suffer visual impairment have had some type of traumatic brain injury. That, And, and this can even happen psychologically. There's things that people witness in life that are so disturbing that the brain goes, I'm shutting down and I can't process that anymore. Blindness is not a physical, I mean, it's one dimension of blindness being like a physical thing that you can't see patterns of light. But remember blindness goes across all forms of human experience. We can be blind emotionally, we can be mm. blind relationally. Yes, Brian. It, it, yeah. Why do you feel so strongly about that? Um, well, because I think you're tapping into something that I try to acknowledge within myself that I know is going to be a process in the coming years. And, you know, I, I don't mean to rope it back to because I think these are issues that we had previously. But, you know, in these last two years, you know, I think a lot of our human existence has kind of changed. In, in a very drastic way, you know, it's almost like shifting gears, so maybe a little bit too quickly. Uh, and, you know, your whole body inertia that kind of flies forward. And I just kind of feel like that there is going to be low level trauma uh, or, or high level trauma for other people that is going to be a residual factor in the coming years. And it's going to be about how we deal with that, not just with our own personal selves, but within how we deal and treat with other people. And it really has turned me on to trying to talk to as many people. And man, I, I'm really appreciating the conversation I'm having with you right now because you're just hitting on it of the blindness of 
the your, your emotionality, the blindness of maybe the pain or the confusion that you're feeling through this time right now, the blindness of perhaps the uncertainty of what the future is going to hold uh, in the coming years through all this. And it goes beyond just maybe physical, it goes into mental, it goes into spiritual. And I do find it so funny, just back to your original point, my whole life, you know what I mean? We're all just like, uh, what's the most important part of the body is like the heart, right? You got to make sure that the heart stays pumping. Don't have a heart attack. Uh, watch whatever your, your trans fats and everything. But we, we're just coming around now to the brain. Brain's pretty damn important, Brian. We're just kind of we're coming around to that in the last maybe 15, 20 years. And I'm just excited to see, you know, how we can push those boundaries. And I think the message that you're putting out there not only amplifies it, but furthers and inspires people to believe that there is more, there are more potential possible. Yeah, that's the important thing to talk about. It is all about the brain. And here's the takeaway. Nobody has to lose a major sense to benefit from everything we've talked about today. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait for that. This stuff's here to enhance the quality of all of our lives. And professional athletes are just some cool examples who are exemplifying it in their, you know, world and domain. But then most athletes, right, like they suffer. They're not developed in whole people either, right? They've been focused one, uh, a lot of the conversations like we got to was when we're dealing with these athletes, they've been so focused in their identity on this one thing. Right, like, and what about their essence? Mm -hmm. they're, they're people of families. So the, all of this comes down to this bigger philosophical conversation. What does it mean to be a whole person? Absolutely, man. Yeah. Keep going, Kev, please. No, but our insecurities, our insecurities create the blind spots around us feeling confident in that. Like, I see essence. In, the, in, 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 in answering your question, like, what does the world need right now? Oh, we're so canceling everybody because they said this, did that. We're not actually interested in serving our fellow human become better. Yeah. Good, they're canceled. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah well you I know mean, what i mean like it's not yeah. there's not even like uh you know uh there's not even that concept because the old one was um we believe in second chances right like we're, you, you you wag the finger and yeah. obviously we're talking in a broad scope of a lot of different things and clearly we're not uh advocating for certain crimes on a higher end level i think we're talking amongst some more low level stuff but we were a big believer in second chances and now the canceled thing it gets a little bit more into if I could be honest, a, a victory lap for those that do the canceling and maybe not for helping bring another person back into the fold and having either whatever you want to call rehabilitation or maybe an effort to have someone realize that they can be a better person and the mistakes yeah. that they made in the past can make them better that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to me how we as young kids, well, I was listening to a, another talk earlier today and he's sort of articulating the millennial generation. And he, he spoke to the mechanics of the council culture. Guess what? You go on Facebook and you delete them as a friend. 
canceled. Boom. And then, and now we're all coming of age. And we just, if we didn't like someone's thought process, we didn't like a, a new idea that was different from what we were comfortable with. Cancel. So there's a lot of psychological noise that is creating blind spots from allowing a whole generation to move forward and to develop more psycho-emotionally. And that's what we're using here, right? Like we're using professional sports as an example to talk about these human life success principles. Mm -hmm. Because who doesn't want to be Michael Jordan? Who doesn't want to be Kobe Bryant? Who doesn't want to be Wayne Gretzky? Who doesn't want to be the next best thing? But are we motivated by the right reasons to get there? And then when you find yourself there, like here's, here's also what's crazy. I live in a fishbowl. I cannot be anonymous. These celebrities complain all the time about paparazzi and things. Take your, I got a buddy, Todd, who's a quadriplegic. And he cruises miles in his chair. And he lives in a fishbowl. He's, he's looked at, he's seen, he can't hide it, you know, and like celebrities. So it's like this whole pressure too of like living in a fishbowl is a, a whole other like psychological element to all of this. And that's also what we help athletes just bring in the perspective of what is their personal place in life because a knee can go out tomorrow. I woke up one day and couldn't see anymore. A, a car is coming in your direction that you have no control over. Bam! You're in an accident. Every one of our family members will find a disabling, you know, I was even going to go lower, Brian, and just say, you know, I think we have a real problem dealing with fallibility um, and what we do with it when we do try and correct someone who is fallible because we have fears about what we are an imperfection inside of our own selves and how we project that onto other people. And sometimes we over project that onto other people just to make it seem a little bit more perfect than we probably are, because in that moment, the other person's imperfect. And I just I, I, I me personally, I think one of the solutions is just wrapping our hands around it and trying to embracing and loving it. And obviously admonishing when those real people really do cross the line, but also at the same time, trying to get away where we can all sort of learn from these imperfections and, 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 and learn to ascend above them, transcend them if possible. They're not even imperfections. That's, that's, that's the hard part in this conversation. Mm. We don't even have language suited to talk about the new real estate of the mind. Yeah, very fair. O old constructs will not suit us for the new phenomenon that's about to happen. But why, wh why do you care about people so much? Oh, me personally? 
Yeah, of course you personally. Um, because I, I, and maybe this is probably just a part of my makeup or my fabric. Like I do personally enjoy watching other people's happiness. Um, I do enjoy bringing happiness to other people. I do enjoy uh, reflecting upon my own experience and seeing other people and drawing inspiration from them um, and trying to also, and I, and honestly, I think other people are a really great um, check and balance for my own self uh, through a lot of different ways, whether it is id, ego, and whatever it is to try and remind myself that I am a member of this human society on this planet earth and uh, my contributions matter. Uh, and, and not contributing, not co making a contribution also matters because then nothing happens. So it's not that I care about, I, I try and distill what people think. Cause obviously I work in the entertainment business. It's kind of a byproduct of the business, like, uh, likes and comments and views and all that stuff becomes, you know, a metric of, of, uh, business, business success. But no, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm my, my comedy background is based in observation by nature. Um, and I love hearing about other people's stories and hearing about how they're different than mine and seeing what I can maybe take out of them and learn from them. Maybe that's the best way I can answer it. Yeah, but you have a good sense of self-awareness. But where, how did you develop that? Where did that come from? Um, young age... And uh, probably not to get too messy about it, but, you know, my, my parents did divorce in my early teens. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that's, a, that's a moment that happens in your life that kind of makes you start looking at other people's backyards. You know what I mean? It has you looking over the fence at other people's yards at probably an early age. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's probably a, a contributing factor to that. And also, to be honest, um, sports. I was highly competitive in sports growing up. Um, I was – you mentioned Michael Jordan earlier – and uh, I, I wasn't an extrovert in this way, but uh, inside of me, internally, I was competitive. Um, and I created, uh, I created competitors and, and villains uh, in mm -hmm. my own mind to fuel me to perform at my best. Uh, it was a funny story. One of my closer friends in life now, when I played him in Little League at eight or nine years old, I created a fictitious hatred for him because he was really good and he was my competitor and he was my rival and my, my equal at the same time. And I wanted to beat him and I didn't know anything about him. I really didn't. And mm -hmm. years later we end up working together when we come, become really close friends. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. Those are just kind of, kind of some of the factors I think that early on sort of led me towards um, just being attracted to what's going on in other people's lives a little bit and always learning that I'm never going to get outside of my own brain. It's impossible. So mm -hmm. like, it's like live with it and just try and learn from other people's brains if you can. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Why, why are you so brave to be curious? Uh, I love it. Cause I don't know. It's just, uh, it, it, it gets something going inside of me a little bit. I love, I love learning new stuff. And I also, man, this time, especially in the last couple of years, I really love um, having my thoughts and, and notions or preconceived notions, um, not changed, but, but, but opened and broadened. And I love, I, I actually enjoy disagreement now more than I ever have in my whole life. Um, and I try and do it from a base of respect. Cause if I get that respect back, we can disagree all we want and we can shake hands and we can turn around and we can live each other's lives. Like who cares? No one cares. Um, but like, but doing that and learning what disagreement is and learning when I'm wrong and, and acknowledging and accepting when I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I, 
I find it more, uh, I find it to be kind of freeing and I wish people, I wish people could feel the way that I feel when I, when I learn something new and realize that, you know, maybe I haven't really thought this way through and, and not, not to bring something back to what you're talking about before, but you know, when I find blind spots in my own intelligence or in my own life, um, it's actually kind of inspiring when that kind of gets opened up for me a little bit and maybe I can like learn more and become like more well-rounded if that makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah. I, you're speaking to your self-awareness. Good job. Yeah. Um, real quick, final topic for you. Uh, we had to do this before you get out of here, Brian. I got to talk about your music, man. Um, I want to hear, I want to hear all about it. You said that you were rehearsing the other night in Agora Hills. Let's start first, man. Like what are, what are the genres? Like what, what, uh, what kind of music do you like to play? Well, the band name is Angel City Fiddle Squad. You can oh, find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Angel City Fiddle Squad. We're a party band. Yes. That's that's it. We'll be able to play, you know. I mean, we're rock and roll, but our lead singer, Austin, plays the violin. Mm-hmm. But you, you're going to be surprised in what you hear and the way the whole band is delivered. So, yeah, I've, I've been playing music my entire life. I don't really lead with it because it's, for me as a musician, when I lost my vision, I just picked up the guitar. I like poetry, but being a teenager and doing poetry seemed not the most masculine, you know. Well, if you did, if you if you did, you never told anybody, right? That yeah. was the that was the teenage secret. Because I had yeah. I had I had I had little couplets, I had little stuff, and be like, oh, this could be a lyric and a cool punk rock song someday like i did that shit totally oh yeah and then but then you put a guitar behind it <laughs> yes and then now it's all of a sudden t- transforms to a different thing yes and that's what i learned even with acoustic athletics and what we're doing now we just pivoted the conversation same human life principles but now everyone's a little bit more huh you know, people, yeah. professional athletes are doing these things and you're like, yeah, you just didn't know about it. So for me, music was a journaling thing and it's, 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 a, yeah, yeah. The band is awesome. Like we're a great, we're it's a fun band. Like it's one of, it's been for me as an artist and a person, I, I'm so grateful for the people in the band. It's, 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 well, it's like, it's a, uh, it's, a, I, it's, it's being on a team, right? Or I, 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 yes. I don't even, you know, yes. like I did sketch comedy, I played sports and stuff and being in a band, you know, you just, n- no one's equal, but we're all equal and we're all part of this one strand. I don't, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And when four people can get on the same page and perform an artistic feat, it's awesome, mm-hmm. right? It's transcendent. It's it's transcendent, and so that's what I love, and I'm so I'm just grateful that I've had this relationship with these musicians for a long time, and it's the relationships that keep me plugged in to it, because right, like like if we're getting what everyone can take about all this from this conversation pay attention to our relationships 
Love is a relationship economy. And we can have lots of wealth in our relationship environment. And that gets back to you listening, right? In your question. What are we, why am why are we talking about athletes? It's because you get everybody to pay attention to the fact, listen to your loved ones. Be present with your loved ones. Be present with your family. Servant leadership serve not serve like oh we're like you know like in the positive way because we choose to contribute that's service mm. not because it's a job not because we're getting paid my favorite moments in life has always been when i've been flexing the muscle of servant leadership doing things that i wasn't getting paid for because that's the space where i find myself being more expressive and creative because i'm having to be present and serving the moment and so like yeah it's all about listening i can't agree more and i've begun to learn later in life that it is so easy to do nothing but there is a deeper deeper fulfillment and it's not like it's not like eating a big mac or something there's a deeper fulfillment of when you do contribute and when you do achieve something or when you do get into a band and everything syncs up perfectly in those two or three seconds after you finish your song and you go like, damn, that was good. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that was really, that felt really good. Um, and that's like, for me, like, that's the stuff. That's the stuff worth living, Brian, for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I our band, I felt like we were all figure skaters, dancing, frolicking, yeah. after playing music. And then, and then and guess what? The hardest part about every song is coming up with a cool ending. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to be in the 90s. Yeah, the 90s, they would just do the fade track, but you can't yeah. do that live, you know what I mean? Like, no fade track. Fade track no fade. is a cop-out. Cop-out <laughs> And so it's, we're like, we're like, an Aerosmith move. <laughs> yeah, we're playing around in the band. And this is when you know the intelligence of the band is go, everyone's listening. They're engaged. Mm -hmm. And the drummer, Alan rolls. <laughs> And the band pause. And you're like, and then they go bam <laughs> with a huge, and you're like, that moment of pause can never be spoken, can only be felt. Yes. And, and you can either you can you can practice it, but sometimes you just walk into it, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what's fun about playing in a band is you're creating moments. It, it, that's sports right like the whole idea of all these sports why we like it is it's it's we think we have some control over the unknown but it's the unknown that is the carrot in the future that we're all like 
how is this going to get played out? And that's the brilliance of sports is it actually teaches us about how to deal with the unknown. Well, that's the attraction also into comedy and why, you know, I found myself in the improvisation area of, you know, yeah, we're talking about that unspoken moment where your scene partners know where you're going. Um, and it's almost as if like they're reading your mind and they're, they're able to set you up or they're able to hammer down your setup for a joke. And next thing you know, you're telling a story that's, that's being played out in your own head, but there's people that aren't in your own head playing that same story with you. And it's just like music. And at the very end, you just go, damn it. Like that was it. And you just, you delight. And there's so much joy and just following other people, chasing them, chasing that same idea all of a sudden, because now you got the scent of it. And now you're on it. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah, uh, that's where it's at, man. That's where it's at for me personally. Oh yeah. Because like you're like, it's about the emotional harmonization. I remember mm -hmm. reading this book in my business mm -hmm. classes. It was primal leadership. The first chapter was all about emotional intelligence. And it takes any group about 10 minutes to emotionally harmonize and that's when you start feeling that moment where you're like oh the audience is eating out of the palm of my hands or picking up mm -hmm. on all the jokes but when you're in a group like a band or an improv group guess what we're now sharing the collective consciousness of intelligence that's yeah. what's powerful we're sharing the collective consciousness of intelligence. If we're thinking that we're all doing this on our own, we're missing the prize. We're better with each other because we're relational species. And that and, and that's what we what we're trying to bring to all of this is like let's enhance our perception, action, cognition an enhancement pace for the new human race. And that's that is so that is so well said. That is so absolutely well said too. And, and, and it's inverse a little bit to some of the disconnect and detachment that we have now. And it, it you know, uh, it just kind of makes it kind of makes me think that like, I wish we were in the same room doing this. But at the same time, I am I'm fairly thankful and grateful that Zoom is able to connect us in some sort of way. I think it's about pushing through it and not being satisfied with just connecting, you know, via Zoom, as great as it is, but also continuously trying to pursue that human connection um, and that human creation when you get in that space, that group space together, like you're talking about. Yeah, I like your energy. I can't wait to be in the same room. I mean, yeah, man. but it I'm, I'm gonna see your band. I'm gonna see your band, dude. I mean, like we're 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 uh, we're connected on uh, LinkedIn now. So I mean, we're. I mean, I, I want to see your band. That's the next step, I think. Yeah, good. Everyone wants to see our band, Angel oh, City they? Fiddle Squad. Woo -woo. Hell yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, an, an Angel City Brewery. They gotta hook you guys up. Is what they gotta do. They gotta figure that yeah, out. Yeah, COVID's messed everything up. I know. So we're just we're playing private parties. And like people in Malibu and you know everywhere else, but fingers, fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed, we go for it again this summer. And uh, I'm optimistic at heart, and hopefully um, everything gets a chance to uh, get a little bit more back to normal. And Angel City Fizzle Squad 
gets to be in front of a packed house in a live venue again, hopefully sometime soon. Uh, Brian Bushway here on Ben in Chicago, man. What a wonderful conversation. Uh, not just the message you want to amplify, but just talking to you, man. It was a really great time. Acoustic Athletics own Brian Bushway. Perception, navigation, instructor. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the pod, my friend. Thank you so much for connecting. Um, man, you got a fan of me. I'm definitely rooting for you. Hopefully you can connect. Hopefully you can come back on the pod sometime. Um, if you'd like socials or any other way that people that are listening to this pod right now say, hey, I want to check out more of what Brian uh, brings to the table, what he offers with Acoustic Athletics, how would they do that? Help our audience out. Go to brianbushway.com, acousticathletics.com, and just come on, everybody. If you if you don't know how to find us on social media, then you're not playing. <laughs> we did the work for you. Now it is up to you. We did the best yes. that we can. Uh, Brian, <laughs> man, Brian, man, such a pleasure, man. Um, I don't know, man. This this made my day. I'm gonna ride into the weekend feeling pretty good about this, uh, even though we're probably releasing this on a Monday. Uh, great to meet you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you head on over to BetOnline.ag. Make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. we got plenty more great stuff coming the rest of this week, so make sure you come on back. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.